Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's Thursday. The weather in Britain is biblical. I think biblical is a good word, man. Pretty awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it moved my pickup truck whilst I was waiting for you in the station. So I moved strong. I felt the wind, but it doesn't normally happen, so... And I've got to say, in my office, I uh, didn't notice. Well, it's because you're inside. Oh. That's one of the benefits of walls, I suppose. Yeah. Although, if you ask my next door neighbor, he's convinced the roof is going to be blown off the top of our flats this week. So, less than anyway. Anyway, so Murph, today's guest. When I say accuracy, what do you think of as the accurate thing? Like, what would you, you know, let's talk about Greenwich Mean Time, or for me, accuracy, Robin Hood, the Disney cartoon, when he gets the arrow fired up into the air because he gets nudged by the uh, sheriff of Nottingham. Then he fires another one up into the air, spins the arrow around, comes down and hits the arrow in the middle of the balls. I bosh, that's accuracy. See, I, I was just thinking Rolex. Ooh. But then you get Folexes and they're not accurate. No, no, no. But the genuine Rolex, the way they sponsor time and all the timepieces in the world, they're just great watches. Yeah. Well, you know, hint, hint at Rolex if they're listening to, you know, bung us a couple. See, what, what I try to do there, just try to get some yeah, extra no, additional. No. Oh, one, we could sort of share it. Although we'd have to keep the links because I think your wrists are probably slightly bigger than they're mine. Not. I really have very, very small wrists. All right, well, Rolex, yeah, get in touch, even if it's just one. Yeah, uh, we'll take it Always back. the perpetual, if you're listening. Thanks very much. So anyway, accuracy. Today's guest, 
He's only been the most accurate ranker in the last five years on Fantasy Pros. Half of the Fantasy Free Agents podcast and co-host of the Fantasy Feast podcast, Ross Tucker, is Joe Dolan. Joe, welcome to Five Yard Rush. How are you doing? I'm very well, guys. Thank you so much for bringing me on. Uh, um, I am definitely not as accurate as a Rolex, and I sure as hell do not own a Rolex. I don't even think I can uh, purchase a Folex at this point, so maybe I'm <laughs> doing something wrong. But uh, I, I really appreciate the intro, guys. I, uh, I, it, it, it's quite fr- flattering. No, and, and not to mention you've uh, also been recently nominated for some awards with your show with, with Matt Camp as well. Yeah, so uh, the fantasy of the football game day on Sirius XM Fantasy, uh, we, got, we got a nod for both uh, Radio Show of the Year with the FSGA uh, and the FSWA. Um, so I want to thank everybody who's listened. This was our 10th year of the show, and quite a, a poetic way for it to end for Matt and I, uh, for, for it to, uh, to be nominated for uh, those awards. I have no designs on winning or anything like that, but just to get the nod for a show that we've been doing for quite a long time, which I think is very unique in the fantasy industry. Um, it's essentially red zone on the radio without the benefit of throwing to the live game. So Matt and I are just sitting, you know, on a couch talking about the games. We're going to say a lot of stupid stuff because hell we're talking for six hours. Stupid things are going to come out of our mouths, but I think it gives it a really organic feel to the show. So I really appreciate anybody who who's listened, who enjoys it. I can't believe when people tell tell me that they put the red zone channel on TV and then they turn off the audio and listen to to me and Matt. That is just absurd to me. Uh, it, it it just does not make sense. But it, it's flattering all the same. And I mean that. And, and I mean that that it doesn't make sense to me. Is like I can't believe somebody would do that. You know, we we Matt and I we, when we pitched this show when it was pitched to us, we were thinking that's ah, you know it's a last resort. People want to follow their fantasy teams. Um, as opposed to listening to a broadcast that throws to specific games, Matt and I are going to be able to go to eight places really at once and tell you, hey, this guy scored a touchdown, this guy scored a touchdown, that guy scored a touchdown, this guy dropped a pass. And we we thought it would be a last resort for people. And people, like, say they prefer it um, to the red zone on TV, which which completely revolutionized the way people watch football, especially fantasy players. Um, that's super flattering. And, and to, to get nominated after 10, 10 years where we kind of made something our own is, is really special. And, and anybody who listens, anybody who's listening to this, I just want to uh, thank everybody for that. But uh, nobody cares about what I win, what I might win. It's, it's all about helping people out, right? That's what we're in here for and entertaining people. I think that's what we want to do. I don't know. I, th- I think, uh, you know, I've listened to you a lot over the last few years and, you know, I think it's, it's well-deserved and, uh, you know, sometimes I don't, we don't have Sirius here, uh, unfortunately, otherwise that might be a worthy route to go down. I might have to try and find a way to play it through online, but I sometimes turn off red zone coverage for, uh, we have a, a UK guy here called, uh, called Nat Coombs who does a uh, talk spot. So if it's less fantasy. It's more just talking through the actual game. So, Sometimes when you don't have like the premier commentators working on the affiliate TV shows, then I, I tend to do that and watch Red Zone while listening to Nat Coombs. Uh, and that's quite a good way to do it. Um, so, yeah, next season, if I can find a link to your show. Well, you said it's the last one, so you're not doing it next year? Well, no, it's um, it, it, I, it, all designs on doing it, but this was the 10th year of doing it uh, thus far. So um, obviously we can only do it weeks one through 17, but, uh, but so we're, we're off until next September, but I, I think I have every design on still doing the program next year. Uh, you know, things happen, but, uh, but for sure, I, I, I plan on being back for year 11 next year. That'd be amazing. I'm sure uh, a friend of the podcast, Scott Hansen, he won't mind uh, me saying that 
you know, we sometimes have to turn him off a little bit when he's not on. Um, oh. Take it well. <laughs> <laughs> take that, Scott. No, well, listen, Scott's all right. He, he understands, especially if it's fantasy related. We know how much he cares about fantasy and his designs to win fantasy championships. I wonder if he won this year. Yeah, I need to actually hit him up and see if he did. I'll ask him. No, you have to go through his agent, Gavin. Oh, yeah. That was so funny. That, we, was... We, we had Scott on the show, and, we, and uh, Scott agreed to come on really quickly, and then it took 22 emails from his assistant <laughs> to book him. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I mean, he is busy. The man doesn't go to the bathroom. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I will tell you that. I will, t- I will say that. I don't know how he doesn't, especially since he has the benefit of throwing the live television, but I must use the restroom about 14 times during a game day show, so I have no idea how Scott Hansen doesn't do that. Um, so uh, yeah, the good, uh, he is a he's a true pioneer, and he's changed the way people follow their fantasy teams. So uh, uh, all the respect to him, we wouldn't be able to do it without him. Uh, we wouldn't uh, the the idea probably wouldn't have come out without the Red Zone Channel. So we're just building on the very solid foundation that he and Andrew Siciliano and all those guys have built. Absolutely. 100%. So, Joe, how did you get into football and talking about fantasy? Well, I don't remember getting into football, to be completely honest with you. Um, I went to Catholic school growing up, and uh, in Catholic school, they teach a concept of something called original sin. And it's basically, to, to boil it down, every uh, every person is b- born a sinner in Catholic school. Um, I, I think it's just every American is born a football fan. Um, I, I just think it's the same kind of concept. I don't remember getting into football. Um, I can tell you my first football memory is uh, I was born in 1986. My first fo- football memory is Joe Montana getting clobbered in the uh, 1991 for the 1990 season NFC Championship game. Uh, I believe he hurt his back on the play and it essentially, uh, given other injuries, knocked him out for two seasons. And that's when uh, Steve Young emerged as the 49ers franchise quarterback. And then the next week or two weeks after that for the Super Bowl would have been Scott Norwood's missed field goal uh, against the New York Giants. That is my earliest football memory. Um, The first thing I remember is my dad just coming down uh, talking about how Joe Montana had gotten hurt in the game. That was my first football memory. But uh, I grew up in southeastern Pennsylvania. um, And when you're there, I, I mean, let's talk about original sin. You're born a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And Randall Cunningham, Reggie White, uh, all those guys, Seth Joyner, Eric Allen, all those players, Fred Barnett, who I know is, uh, is, is a, an acquaintance of mine, uh, Keith Byers, all those players I, I just kind of grew up on, and that's when I got into football. I've always been a football fan, college football, pro football. Um, it, I just don't remember becoming a football fan just because it's always been there for me. Um, and, and I think it's, it, it's the same way for a lot of people who grew up with football. Um, but fantasy was something that I didn't get into until I was in my teenage years and the internet really facilitated playing fantasy. I certainly was not uh, young enough or, or certainly not old enough to, to remember the pencil and paper game. I remember it being advertised in magazines and I was interested by it, but the internet and Yahoo and, and those companies really pioneered making it easy to play. And that's when I got into fantasy football. And when I started playing fantasy football, like anybody who got into this industry or has this as a hobby, I don't think you ever intended to work in it. Um, and so what happened to me was after I graduated college where I was a sports journalism major, I worked for a season for the Philadelphia Eagles website as like a reporter, on-air, talent, uh, talent, and I use that word extremely loosely, trust me. Um, And uh, I wrote a fantasy football column for PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And I I didn't 
I didn't propose the column to them. It was a sponsored actually by Bud Light and Bud Light reached out to the Eagles and were like, we need somebody to write this. We have a fantasy thing. And they just were like, Hey, Dolan do this. And you know, I started enjoying it. And by the time I, um, by the time I was my, uh, I guess, I guess you would call it an internship was expiring, uh, in February of 2009 after the Eagles, after we had all gone out to the NFC championship game and they lost to the Arizona Cardinals, um, my, my little uh, contract had expired. It basically was just through the football season. My coworker at the time, Steve Liner, um, said he found a job posting on monster.com and it was advertising for a young person who had an interest in the NFL, a knowledge of the NFL and was interested in fantasy football to apply with this company in South Jersey, um, in Atlantic County with a man by the name of John Hansen, who, um, if you're listening to a fantasy football podcast, you probably know who John Hansen is a true industry pioneer. And it was for somebody who could relocate to South Jersey and work for fantasyguru.com. And that's what I applied to that. Um, I interviewed with John multiple times and in March of 2009, I started at fantasyguru.com. I, I ascended to managing editor until I left the company um, uh, last year. Uh, and it's, and I can't believe it, but I said at the time I got paid real money to write about fake football. And it, it's still amazing to me that that's a real job. I, I, I don't, I don't want you guys to take this the wrong way, but I almost get embarrassed when I tell people that that's my job because my wife is an academic. She she is about to become a professor at Clemson. And I'm like, yeah, I work for a fantasy football website. But it turns out everybody just ends up thinking it's a super cool job. And I can't believe it's real either. And I'm 10 years into it. And I assure you, it is a real job because I have a roof over my head. And I am, I could probably stand to lose 20 pounds. And uh, so it puts food on the table, it puts a roof over my head. Um, and it, it, the, the growth I've seen in the industry in the past 10 years is just spectacular. I, I mean, the internet obviously is the biggest thing that ever happened to fantasy football, but the past 10 years with Twitter and people who, who have, don't have a lot of Twitter followers or don't have a huge platform being able to get their voices out there. I mean, it humbles me because essentially I got lucky. You know, I got lucky to work for the Eagles. I got lucky to have that kind of platform right out of college. I got lucky to know the right people. Um, so it, it humbles me because I'm like, man, if I didn't have those opportunities, where would I be right now? But um, I've been managing to, to stick with this. I built up somewhat of a following here over the past 10 years. Um, and I, I, I'm certainly thankful for every opportunity I've ever gotten. So that's how I got into football. That's how I got into fantasy. That's how I got into the fantasy industry. And I think the, the big important thing we do here is with, you know, podcasts, live streams, articles, Twitter, and all that, you, you, div you diversify, you keep yourself, um, you make sure that you are not locked into one thing and you keep evolving. And when I started, I was 22. I'm now 33. So there's certainly, uh, there's certainly plenty of opportunities for me to grow. And there's a lot of people who are a lot younger than me who are doing more impressive stuff than I've ever done. So it, I got lucky. I certainly got lucky. And I wish I could tell people that sometimes you don't need luck, but you do sometimes. And um, I guess you, you try to want to make your own luck, but I certainly got lucky and I'm still lucky to be talking to you guys right now. I mean, I, I don't necessarily entirely agree with that. I think you, you're extremely good at what you do. And, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but there are thousands of podcasts you can listen to for someone like me 
when I pick podcasts, I need to pick people who I'm not saying this because you're on the show. I, I genuinely mean this. I need to pick people who can just give me the right level of insight in really good chunks of information that don't go too far and too short. And that's a, that's a skill. You know, anybody can read notes, anybody can do research, but it's correlating that research into actionable insights and be able to do that in a short space of time because there's so much to cover, especially when you're dealing with fantasy football and day-to-day, week-to-week and and everything like that. And that's something that you do really well, which is why, you know, your podcast, The the Fantasy Free Agents, you started it in July. I've listened to, to, and I'm not just saying this, I've listened to every episode because it's something I enjoy listening to. I look forward to it dropping on my feed on my way home from work. I get it around, it tends to be around five o'clock. It tends to drop here. So I tend to get that oh, uh, from my route home most of the time, which is great. And uh, I absolutely love it. So what what was it sort of in terms of the doing the Fantasy Free Agents podcast with, with Tom and, and Ben and everybody? Uh, you know, what, what was it that sort of led you to, to do it? And, and how are things going with, with the project so far? Oh, well, here's here's what what happened. And I appreciate you guys listening. Like you said, you've listened to every episode. I mean, I've had episodes of them that I've talked on that I don't think I listened to just because, you know, you're tired and you're and you're just trying to get through your routine. But um, but I appreciate anybody who's listened. So, like I said, we um, we made a, a decision as a group, uh, Tom and I and Ben, um, to leave Fantasy Guru last March. And I want to be. I want to say that our plans are, were laid out, but didn't come to fruition the way that we thought in terms of timing and all that stuff. And nothing against those guys, Jeff Mans in the group. I, I love Jeff, um, but it just it, there was just something that didn't feel right to us, and and we decided, hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna get out and we're gonna do this thing. Our plans did not come to fruition the way we thought. So, I mean, uh, the. Uh, the old adage, you got to make, uh, you got to make chicken salad out of chicken. I mean, forgive my French. You, I guess you could put a beep in there. Um, <laughs> uh, you could, or build a boat out of bricks, which is, I think what we did. Um, but we, Tom and I were like, we can't, we can't just take the year off. Like we got to do something. We like to play fantasy. Um, we still played fantasy. We still played a lot of fantasy. Um, and we still like talking about fantasy. We still like talking about football. It's the only thing I'm good at really. So I, I, we decided we're going to do this thing. We're going to see. And look, we thought, hey, maybe we'll get a couple hundred listens. Uh, our buddies will listen to it and they'll get a, they'll get a kick out of it. And, and, you know, maybe we'll make a couple of bucks off advertising. And, and I mean, turns out, look, we're, we're not a true crime podcast over here getting 5 million listens per episode. But I mean, at this point, we've, we, at our peak, we had over 3,000, 3,500 listens per episode. Some, some episodes got more having Greg Cosell on the podcast certainly helped out. Um, and we had over 500,000 downloads of the podcast on something that started in July. And I really, really, um, was surprised by that. I truly was. And it was, and it was one of those things where this year, I, I'll be honest with you last March, May, um, in March, April, May last spring, I was really down. Like, I was like, Oh man, did, did I make a mistake? Did what, what happened? Like, did I do, did I do something wrong? Did I trust my gut when I shouldn't have? And ultimately, this past year has really, quite frankly, stroked my ego a little bit and, and built up my self-esteem. And that's really important to me because I'm, I'm big into mental health. Um, I, I'm just, I've struggled with it. And self-esteem is, is a big thing for me because I think a lot of us will at some point 
and most people are going to feel this, but uh, there's something called the imposter syndrome that I, that I've talked to, to a professional about. And the imposter syndrome essentially is even if you have a career, even if you're successful in what you do, not being able to shake the feeling that you don't belong there, that you're not as good as somebody else, that, that you're not as good as people say you are, that consistent gnawing at, your, at yourself, that you're an imposter, and that's where the imposter syndrome name comes from, is something I had struggled with. And breaking out on my own with Tom and with Ben this year, I've really been able to shake that. Um, so it, it turned out to be a really good move for my mental health, even though I, it, it was a move that at points put me down to a really low point. So I don't think you guys expected uh, it, it to go there, but um, it, it actually became a point where breaking off and doing fantasy free agents has been really good for my mental health. And I'm, I'm a huge subscriber to, to improving your mental health. And this did it for me. And now I'm ready to take the next step forward. Uh, and we're going to be doing that in big ways in 2020. But uh, it just turned out that I was somebody who for 10 years uh, always had this kind of gnawing at me. You're an imposter. You, you're not actually good at what you do. There's so many people out there who are better than what you are. And, and I still believe that, that there are people better than what I am. But maybe that I found my place that I'm able to actually come through and say things to people. And, and, and I think one of my skills um, is to be able to translate, to be able to make, so, to, to, dis, to disseminate, to be able to make something digestible for people. Because in this industry, numbers, there's a lot of jargon, numbers, tape jargon. It's not just analytics that have a lot of jargon. There's a lot of tape jargon. You know, people are sick of hearing about 12 personnel and 11 personnel and, and uh, a, a green dog blit and all that stuff. There's, it's not just number jargon, it's tape jargon. And being able to translate that and make it digestible to people, I think is probably the thing that I am best at. And this, this little endeavor has allowed me to, to realize, hey, maybe there is a lot of value in what you do. And it's something that I had struggled with um, and, and the fantasy free agents has helped me with that. So maybe it helped a lot of people out there. Maybe we got people tweeting, Hey, you helped me win your league. That's the most important thing to me. But the fact that it put me in a good spot mentally is, is what I'm going to take away from that little project that myself, Tom and Ben and our IDP guys, Justin and Tom, um, uh, uh did, did it's a, that that's the biggest takeaway that I'm personally going to have from it. I hear that. And I, there's so much of what you said there. I, I heavily subscribe and, and relate to um, my day job is uh, I do software sales. Been I changed careers in my mid twenties. I used to run pubs and bars for a living. Realized that wasn't good for my my mental health for different reasons. It was running myself down to the ground, eighty hours a week, being around alcohol and booze, and leading a lifestyle that isn't the most healthy. And thought I might die in my forties here if I keep doing this. And then when I switched careers, I felt very similar things to you, where you just think actually I. I know I, people keep telling me I'm good at what I do and they keep giving me more money to do it, but I'm not sure if I'm really as successful as... Are you sure you want to give this to me? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, and it was like, are you sure you want to pay me more money to stay? Are you really? Uh, you got the right sure. guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly how that feels. I'm glad to hear that you're in a better spot too. Yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, you know, eventually I think you just come to terms with it but it takes a lot of hard work and graft but going all the way back because you you started this this project you know with tom and ben you know there's probably people out there listening now um and we ask this question to a lot of people because i really like to get the insights of of guests like yourselves who uh, you know have started a project so 
there's people that have got a passion, whether it's football, whether it's soccer, whether it's model trains, could be absolutely anything, weather. Um, <laughs> the weather. What, uh, what sort of advice could you give to somebody listening right now about getting involved in a, a project of passion to get them to do it and, and take the step from it being an idea to something that they can action? Yeah, this is hard for me because I'm also a big, big subscriber to the fact that if you do work, you should get compensated for it. Um, I, I don't like the idea of unpaid internships. I don't like the idea of, of, of a, like a ruling class, like exploiting that and underpaying people just because they can. And, and this is where I have a t- tough time giving advice because like I said, I believe I did get lucky. You know, when I worked for the Philadelphia Eagles, they did not pay me a whole lot. I, I mean, that, and that's kind of how it goes with, with sports and, and a job like that. They could afford to just not pay me much because if I said, no, I'm not going to work for that, they would have found a guy like that who's going to. Um, I decided to do that because I was able to. Um, and, and believe me, if you are able and you are comfortable doing work and not getting compensated for it, I'm not saying that shouldn't be an option for you. But I, I, the one thing I don't want to tell people, I want to tell people is don't feel like you have to work your ass off if somebody isn't going to pay you for it. However, one thing that really annoys me, and it's probably because I'm a podcast host, is seeing people who tweet, like people always tweet out. I actually saw Mike Francesa. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Francesa, but the, yeah. just a legendary radio host in the New York sports market. He said, does everybody have a podcast? Uh, bad Mike and Francesca impression, but does everybody have a podcast these days? He tweets uh, out. And, and I was like, you know what, man? The beauty of the internet and the beauty of podcasts and the beauty of especially YouTube. If you have if you have a face for video, I happen to not, but if you have a face for video and you have the, the talent to produce YouTube videos, the one thing that I've noticed from podcasts and from YouTube is if you have a quirky interest, Somebody out there has that interest and somebody will listen and somebody will watch. Um, it's just a matter of getting your, your, your stuff out there. And, and, you know, my brother-in-law and and I love him for it because my brother-in-law has absolutely no interest in football whatsoever. And he never talks about to me about football. And I love that, but he listens to like a home improvement projects podcast, like where he's talking about, pvc piping and welding and caulk and he's listening to a podcast about caulk and i'm like this sounds like the most boring thing i can possibly imagine but flipping it around i think from his perspective he doesn't want to listen to my podcast he doesn't give a damn about fantasy football so he likes caulk and he likes welding and he likes (laughs) painting and he likes masonry and there is a podcast for that And if there is something that you are interested in that you don't think there is adequate coverage for, go out there and do it, man. Make it the best. I understand if you're interested in fantasy, which you are if you're listening to this podcast, the industry is inundated. I I, I wish I could tell you, don't, don't kill yourself doing it, but throw research out there. Be active on Twitter. Join... One of the things that that my fantasy league will will do a lot, and I think Scott Fish, who runs the Scott Fish Bowl, will do this a lot, is um, they'll talk about uh, orphaned dynasty teams. Join a join a higher stakes type of league if you have the money. Join a a league with other people who are passionate about fantasy and get your opinion out there and get respected because there are a lot of high stakes players out there 
who don't have quote unquote the platform that I have. You know, they don't have the platform that you guys have. They're just content playing fantasy. Um, and, and those guys have opinions that are worthy of being respected. So, and I would also say this, every time there is an opening out there for fantasy, apply to it. I just saw Jeff Ratcliffe post that Pro Football Focus has an opening uh, in social media. There is never any hurt in networking and applying and um, sending emails to people. Sometimes guys can't help. Sometimes they can't just give you a job, but maybe they can recommend you to somebody who can. I always stumble around this answer because like I consistently said, I think I got lucky. But um, when I used to work for Fantasy Guru, um, we hired a young man by the name of Graham Barfield, who's currently with NFL.com. And Graham, I'm pretty sure, just essentially came into the fantasy industry by creating something, yards created, which charts college running backs and projects them to the NFL. And then he tweeted like hell about it. And it got him a job and he's got a hell of a gig right now. So uh, there are success stories. There are success stories from people who are way more talented than me. And, and that's how I would recommend people keep it going. And you know what? If you, if you do a podcast and, and you get 50 listeners – Well, then maybe one of those 50 listeners says, hey, I like these guys. And that 50 becomes 75. And that 75 becomes 100. And then that 100 becomes 200. And as long as you have people who who are loyal to you and consistently follow you, I think there's a way to monetize what you do. I'm wondering if there's going to be a significant um, push for fantasy on on a Twitch platform. Um, I don't know if you guys are into video games, but Twitch is just huge. People tune in to chat and watch other people play video games. I mean, it is a huge industry right now, and it would have sounded absurd 10 years ago. But that's, that's where I think it's going. Um, I, don't th- I also don't think there's great fantasy football content on YouTube. Um, there is an avenue that can be explored and can be exploited. YouTube is the most widespread platform in the world right now, and, and I don't think fantasy football has truly taken that over. So I do believe there are avenues, and there is always, always opportunities for creative people. We uh, we had our first YouTube video show last week, Joe. That's uh, awesome. See, it, it's an underexploited market, and there is some, but there are channels. I know there's some good channels out there, but it's still underexploited. It's not oversaturated. There is plenty of, of opportunities for content on YouTube in this industry that are simply not being exploited right now, and I do think that's the next great frontier for people. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I think um, you know we we've been we've been working hard at this for a couple of years and at the end of the day, you have to continually not reinvent yourself because you've got to be you and you can't necessarily do that, but you've always got to be, you can't stand still. You have to do something a little bit different and come up with something that others don't have. We're we're very lucky here in the UK that whilst there's quite a few people now in the UK doing NFL podcast there's not that many doing fantasy football podcasts and people try um funny enough one of my good friends uh explores he he does an NFL podcast and try to get in the fantasy and he's just like you guys just make it impossible because no one's gonna move away from listening to you guys you're established and uh, you know we don't ever want to stop anybody else and, and actually we actually want more fantasy football podcasts because I believe that having more out there makes everybody better it makes you know, everybody I, I, more interested, for sure. Exactly. I mean, it, it creates a bigger market. If there's 100 podcasts and it's going out to a million fans, everybody gets a good piece. Um, yeah, okay, the bigger, more popular ones will get a little bit more. But at the end of the day, a competition, especially in something that we do, 
it's it strives innovation everybody realizes they've got to be better and the next big ideas come out of it so you know we we just hope there are more podcasts and i've said to people who are starting out podcasts people reach out to us and say how did you guys get started i tell the story and say here's some equipment you can buy from amazon for 30 40 pounds and you know here's a free platform and anchor which is what you host yours yours on joe that uh and it's a great platform and like and I mean, we were able to monetize our podcast immediately, and and that's really important too. You know, I, I think I think when you see even a couple bucks from your podcast, right? I'm not trying to tell you that it's going to pay your mortgage, but uh, may, now maybe if you're good enough, it will get to a point. I'm sure they're. Uh, I don't know how big true crime podcasts are in the UK, but they are massive here. My sister is constantly going off about them. They get millions of listens. Those people are paying mortgages with their podcasts, and I think fantasy it's it's probably a little too segmented. Uh, like we got guys like the fantasy footballers and obviously CBS and, and NFL.com and ESPN always do a great job. And they, they're, they're kind of the cream of the crop here, but I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, we made a couple extra bucks with fantasy free agents just by ad revenue than we thought we were going to. And I'm sure you guys kind of found the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and Patreon and, you know, it's just all these different avenues We're we're looking at some merchandise in the shop that we're going to open. And there's, a few more bits and pieces, but I mean, I guess for us, it's about, we just do it because we love it. And if we get money for it, that great. It you have to love it. You do have to love it. And, uh, and like anything, it will become a job at some point, especially if you do it full time. Um, I, I, I always point at Thanksgiving as kind of the line of demarcation where you're like, oh my God, if I have to see another screen pass, I'm going to vomit, you know, like just because like anything, it will become a job, but ultimately you know that you love it when you get excited for free agency and you get excited for the draft because there's work to be done and you get excited for week one. And and that's when I know I love it. And that, that passion just has not expired yet. And, and that's important. Um, But you raised another interesting point guys. And you talked about Patreon and we had like a PayPal me up on the site. And the one thing I will say is I think ultimately Good people, most people, are willing to pay for good work. Whether they're saying, hey, I'll tip you, or I, I want to subscribe to you. I want to give you $100 you know, to provide me a premium service. And I think The Athletic has gone a long way towards, towards normalizing that again. Uh, 20 years ago, people paid for the newspaper. They paid for Sports Illustrated. They paid for the sporting news. They paid for USA Today. And with the advent of the internet, when those things became readily available, people thought, hey, why am I paying for this? And then that market became, oh, my God, I, I can't watch another pop-up ad. I can't watch another 30-second video just to watch this one-minute news newscast. And I think The Athletic deserves a lot of credit for giving us um, a format where people now expect to pay for quality work. And that goes back to my earlier point where you should not expect – to have to work for free if your work is really good. If you want to dip your toes in the water by that, that by doing that, that's one thing. And and maybe you have maybe you have the job where you know it's a forty hour, it's a nine to five job, and I like to do this on the side, and I don't care if I get paid for it. That's great. I'm not knocking anybody who who's saying they just do a podcast for fun. But I think the fact that people now kind of 
expect, at least a lot of people expect to have to pay for quality work, for premium content. I think that's ultimately good, not just for the fantasy industry and legitimizing the industry and legitimizing what we do as both an information and an entertainment business, but it's also good for everything else because you don't expect to go into a restaurant and say, hey, I could have made a sandwich at home, so you better just give that to me for free. It's, it's absurd to think that content should be free everywhere, just like anything else. You know, so um, I think Patreon and, and advertise, all that stuff, subscription services like The Athletic, I used to work for one with Fantasy Guru, people expecting to pay for premium content is a good thing. And, and, and people should be compensated for doing good work. I, I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah, I, it's a decent point you raise. I agree. I completely agree. And big fan of paid subscriptions. I've always been willing to pay for things that prove value because in the end, I, I firmly believe you get what you pay for. And, you know, we, we put this out for free. Um, and there are many people who get everything for free. And I don't, I'm not against doing that either, but. Well, I mean, my pod, my podcast is available for free too. It's just, it, it it is just sometimes, you know, you have to understand people do deserve to get compensated for, for what they do in any industry. Um, it's why you know, I, I think Spotify, okay. Apple music, these things are helping now too, because people, you get this wonderful access and all right, maybe could they pay their artists more? Absolutely. Especially in the case of Spotify, but I think Spotify, Netflix, it's now kind of normalized. Hey, you know, if you're going to get something that's great, you're going to have to pay for it. And um, I know there's probably going to be a bubble that bursts with the cable, with what the cord cutting, uh, with everybody starting their own streaming service, Disney Plus now being the latest. Um, but it, I, I think ultimately it is a good thing. And hopefully we're able to continue that in terms of people getting actually rewarded for the work that they do. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. So, Joe, let's talk some 2019 fantasy football and your season specifically. Sure. How did how, how did it go? Mixed bag this year. I had a really good year in 2018. Um, mixed bag this year, but uh, the best thing that happened to me this year was uh, I had a bullet live in the uh, in the best ball mini championship uh, at, at Playdraft, which I think now um, they were owned by the same company as FanDuel, but I think the whole platform is going to be on the FanDuel app this year. Um, but I had a I had a bullet live in the five dollar mini best ball tournament that I made it to the finals. Um, I turned a $5 investment into, into 600, which I was really proud of. I actually had a really good year in best ball. I cleared a, quite a bit of money uh, in best ball. And that was the one I was most proud of because it, it was something where, hey, you know, I was one of the 60 best people in this particular tournament. And my team had a bunch of injuries and I limped across the finish line, but I was still able to finish in the second tier. So I was happy about that. Um, I took down a league that I've been trying to win for quite some time. Um, uh, Jake Seeley from The Athletic, he, uh, he and um, uh, David Ganos and a couple of other guys a couple of years ago formed something called the Fantasy League of Experts. They backronymed it to the Flex Leagues. Um, and uh, I won the PPR uh, championship this year. And I'm especially proud of that one, A, because I get a really rad championship belt for doing it. Um, and B, it's because um, Matt Camp and I have hosted those leagues the last four years on SiriusXM Fantasy, we've hosted the drafts live, and I am hosting the league while I am drafting in it. And uh, I was able to win that league this year. And uh, that one I'm super proud of uh, for bragging rights. And just like everybody else, I play in hometown leagues against my buddies. And um, I, I had I had some mixed bag success there. My, uh, my friends uh, at my school newspaper from college would certainly laugh at me. Um, 
I, we're in a 14 team league. That's my longest running fantasy league. It's been active for almost 20 years. And, uh, the last time I won it was 2008, which was the year before I formally entered the fantasy industry. And that is my white whale right now. Uh, I did not win it this year. Um, so it's a hugely competitive league, but uh, I had a pretty good year in best ball. I had a good year in quote unquote expert leagues, my higher, higher stakes leagues. Well, I had, I had a couple mediocre finishes and one not so good. Uh, but I, I'm there. I learned a lot of lessons that I'm going to carry forward into 2020. Let's put it that way. Interesting. Interesting. So are you willing to share a few of those lessons with us? Oh, for sure. So the one thing that I think I'm going to take away is running backs. And this is not universal, but man, when a running back is on a bad team, you really need to, he really needs to be special to support him. And, Christian McCaffrey was kind of the opposite, but we already had Christian McCaffrey coming off a huge season. Um, Joe Mixon was one who's interesting because he actually ended up being a league winner if you were able to survive past like the first 10 weeks. But up until then, the guy was a zero. I mean, I was benching him um, for for like guys I picked up off the waiver wire. He ended up being an asset to me on a championship winning team. But those guys, I, I think using the team and the offense as a tiebreaker is something that I never really regard because I, I, I constantly fall into traps of, of, of subscribing to the hot new guy. Um, oh, I'm going to – David Montgomery, we're going to push him into the third round. Meanwhile, you've got guys like Mark Ingram who are falling into the fourth and the fifth round because they're boring and they're old. And, and it happens each and every year. And I will never – be upset about taking a shot on a veteran player who I feel is undervalued. Marvin Jones has been one of my guys for the last three years, and he's consistently been undervalued. One of my big ones this year was John Brown. He was consistently undervalued. Um, I I tend to think if Deshaun Jackson didn't get hurt, he would have worked out for me as well. Um, Of course, him being injury prone is probably part of the reason he was falling. But I think using the team as a tiebreaker and not falling for the hot new name just to fall for it, just because you don't want to miss out on that breakout player are good ways to build solid fantasy teams, especially in best ball. Um, I will always take the solid veteran in best ball two rounds after the hot young rookie comes off the board. That doesn't mean you can't be in on hot young rookies. I mean, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders were league winners this year. Um, DK Metcalf was a league winner this year. But all those guys, with the exception of Jacobs on draft day, ended up being pretty cheap in in relative to some of their peers. So those are some of the lessons that I'm willing to take away. And the other thing I would say, and I always say it at quarterback position, pay up or don't pay up. You're not going to have to pay up. Invest in the guy who was yesterday's hot name who kind of had a down season. And I regret how highly I ranked Baker Mayfield this year, but I'm going to be drafting him a lot in 2020. And people are going to scoff at that, but Baker Mayfield, who was ranked top five by a lot of people, is going to be down at 11 and 12 and 13 this year. Carson Wentz, who was ranked top five by a lot of people, is going to be down at 10, 11, 12, and 13. And he's going to come so much cheaper. Those are the type of guys that I really want to invest in at the quarterback position. Um, And I will fully admit, though, Lamar Jackson has kind of – he's kind of flipped the script on everybody because fading Patrick Mahomes was an easy decision for me as good as he is. And as good as he can, will continue to be. I had no qualms about not drafting Patrick Mahomes in 2019. 
Lamar Jackson in 2020 is a completely different beast. And I don't even know, like I haven't done any real research on it, but I think I have to go in. My first impression mentally with Lamar is I'm not doing it. I'm not paying the first or second round cost. It's going to, take the draft him and that's just my instinct as somebody who likes to wait and likes to get the less sexy names at the quarterback position but you have to wonder if he is just so just so different from everybody else that paying up for him is going to be worth the cost so um those are a bunch of lessons that I've learned that I'm already going into 2020 thinking of. Uh, you can tell that I haven't for, uh, fully formulated a lot of opinions just yet um, I will start doing that when I start doing best balls and all that stuff. But um, but it, it's something that I'm certainly going to be looking at doing and looking at changing my approach, at least in regards to the quarterback position. That makes sense. I I still don't think I can see a scenario where I can pay the price on Lamar I'm Jackson. I'm still there, but I'm willing to let somebody convince me otherwise. Let's put it that way. But I, I just think when you've got someone like Kyler Murray there mm-hmm. who – Listen, he's not Lamar Jackson. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to put up Lamar Jackson-type numbers. But I think he can be in the realm to where he's not dropping off a ridiculous amount per game. He's going to give you the rushing threat just in the scrambles and what he does. He's going to be better with the weapons a year in the offense. I think they're going to draft probably more weapons or they're going to get someone for him in free agency. And and I guess that would be the the true telling point. But I think if, if the difference is drafting... Lamar Jackson in the second round or drafting Kyler Murray in the eighth round. I, I know where I'd put my chips and, and knowing that I'm going to get better mm-hmm. point point per position value in the other places, especially round. I just think with running backs this year are so volatile. They were, and David Johnson killed me, man. I, oh, oh yeah. I mean, he killed me. So many first rounders killed me. And I, I think it's, it's fair to say, um, I, look, look, looking at the first round again, I see so much depth. I mean, you look at the top, McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Michael Thomas, Zeke Elliott, Saquon, uh, Derrick Henry, whatever names you want to put in on, on that list. It looks so deep. Josh Jacobs. and But you also have to understand, I was kind of saying the same thing this year. Like, oh my God, Julio and Odell Beckham and DeAndre Hopkins and David Johnson. These are all available after the top five picks. And it was... The, the hit rate was not great. So ultimately, you still do have to hit on the right guys in the middle of the late rounds. Yeah, I, I think that third, fourth round is where championships were won and lost this year. For sure. Because I think anybody that went in on David Montgomery, even Travis Kelsey to a degree, but were going in on, on players like that. You know, Aaron Jones, okay, came good in the end, but there was those periods where he was splitting time with Jamal Williams that you were having a headache around it. Uh, maybe you picked up Antonio Brown in the third round. Well, that's cost you dearly. I think if you if you got your th- first and second round, you could almost get around, unless it was David Johnson that was catastrophic. But that third and fourth round where you were picking up, if you picked up Derrick Henry over you know David Montgomery, mm-hmm. the, that's the difference between you maybe scraping into the playoffs or not getting in at all and you playing for a title in week 16. And Derrick Henry was another guy I'll fully admit my blind spot to. And I, I've, I've said this, I've, I've said it on Twitter recently. He was somebody who I am fully willing to admit I was wrong about. And I didn't love him as a prospect. He actually kind of reminded me of Melvin Gordon um, in that I thought he was very straight line and I did not think he was aggressive enough at the point of attack. And Melvin Gordon kind of changed that in the NFL. Melvin Gordon was known as a big play slasher in college. He's become kind of a grinder in the NFL. And then Derrick Henry, 
was was somebody who was just totally miscast in Tennessee as a rotational back. And earlier in his career, what I thought that meant was, well, Tennessee saw the same things I saw where Derrick Henry's big and he's huge, but he doesn't really run with the velocity to get his natural speed going before the line of scrimmage, and he actually becomes easier to tackle. Well, ever since they started committing to him in the second half of last season, he's proven that that the mentality to become a feature back, that, that notion that a feature back can wear an opposing team down, is kind of true. Uh, I talked to Adrian Peterson on SiriusXM Fantasy this year, and he fully he said, look, when we say, and we know, we all know, the, the, those stats, oh, when X team runs the ball 20 plus times, they're, well, we all know why that's a fraudulent stat, right? Teams run the ball more when they're winning. I mean, it, it, it's, it, that's been true for 20 plus years. It's been true probably in the history of the game, even when the run game was more important than it is now. We know that that's a fraudulent stat. And I roll my eyes every time I see that. But what I do take into account is somebody like Adrian Peterson telling me, look, when I get my 15 carries, when I when we have a 10-play drive where I touch the ball on six or seven of those plays, and I understand that I'm going to bring it to the defense and they don't want to tackle me, getting into that mindset is important for a back like Peterson. And I think Derrick Henry's a back who really bought into that. And he's somebody I've had a blind spot to because of my earlier biases because I didn't love him as a prospect. I was right about that for a couple of years, and now I'm dead wrong. And now I have to look at Derrick Henry from the perspective where, okay, I am wrong. I was wrong about him. I've accepted what he is now, and that's a freaking awesome player. But now I also have to look at the fact that, man, he might catch two balls every three games. And what does that mean for fantasy? Is this sustainable? So I have to, I have to go ask other questions about somebody like Derrick Henry, who is somebody I did not invest in this year, and I paid the price for, for not doing so. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, there's a few people out there that will be listening to this, obviously scratching their heads and thinking about what to do. But the good thing is we've got seven months before we have to really <laughs> start committing. Well, a bit earlier for best ball, but we've still got plenty of time. We've got plenty more advice to give. So let, let's go into a little bit of fantasy football. Sure. I call it 101, even though it's not really 101 because it's a bit more in-depth than that. But I guess now people are becoming more aware of uh, consistency rankings and looking more about, you know, we've had Bob Lung on here and he do he does an excellent consistency guide every year that people should definitely subscribe to and, and buy. But in terms of when you're looking at your rankings and, you know, how far are you really looking back from a production perspective to work out the consistency of players over time? Is it two years, three years? You know, at one point right. you say, right, that's the point of demarcation. We, we're going to start from here. Um, and, and it's different for every player. And I know that's kind of a bailout. But when you're looking at somebody like Michael Thomas, I'm willing to go back to the beginning of his career. Why? Same quarterback, same offense, same coaching. And I'm, I'm able to say with high confidence that Michael Thomas is going to be able to do this if he stays healthy. You look at Julio Jones, um, maybe, maybe not the greatest of example because he's somebody who's had blow-up games here and there. But same quarterback, relatively the same offense he's worked with Dirk Cutter in the past. You can you can kind of put a little bit on that. Zeke Elliott's somebody we're going to have to reevaluate this year. J- uh, uh, Jason Garrett's gone. So what are we going to do with that? Are we going to reevaluate Christian McCaffrey? Because Matt Rule's going to be in there. He's going to have a new quarterback. Dalvin Cook, if they 
promote Gary Kubiak to offensive coordinator. I'm willing to say there's a consistency there. He's going to have Kirk Cousins. He's going to have Mike Zimmer. He's going to have the offense that's similar to the one that they ran under Kevin Stefanski. So I want, it totally depends on the player uh, uh, and, and his situation when I look back at consistency. Uh, let, I, uh, let me point to a guy like Devontae Adams, for example. And obviously, I think people have what's, what's mostly fresh on their minds is Devontae Adams has blown up over the past month, including in the divisional round against Seattle, where he scored two touchdowns. But last year, 2018, Devontae Adams did not have a single game where he was under 17 fantasy points in a PPR. It was the most absurd fantasy season I've ever seen in terms of just high-end, nasty talent. Like, the guy was just outrageous every week he had the he had a floor where you would have been happy starting him for DFS each and every week and that's absurd but they come in new offense Aaron Rodgers is learning a new offense they've got new personnel Matt LaFleur is the new coach and he struggles at the beginning of the year and we looked at that and I think a lot of the analysis with Devontae Adams this past offseason was oh my god he's got Aaron Rodgers look at the numbers he put up last year well then he comes in and he goes four for 36 in his first game which was less than 50% of his worst game the year previous. So number one, I think you have to look at sometimes things are too good to be true. But when you're looking in terms of consistency, I want to view consistency and personnel around the person, quarterback, especially when it comes to a, a receiver or an offense in general. Consistency in coaching. And on the flip side, if I think a guy underachieved in 2019, did they improve at coach? Could Ezekiel Elliott be better with Mike McCarthy? You know, you want to ask those questions. Um, Did did they have too many injuries? Uh, What was the personnel like? Did they fix those personnel issues? So when I look at a player like Michael Thomas with a situation has been remarkably consistent around him in his career, and I, I view him as a rare player. What you look at is where does a player fit in to the offense, with the quarterback, with the skill set? And that's, I, I just don't think, personally, in my opinion, you can grade a player on the same level, every single player. Every wide receiver cannot be graded on the same curve because Michael Thomas is very easy for me to endorse as a top three pick next year. He's going to have this, barring something crazy, he's going to have the same quarterback and the same coach. It's going to be a lot less it's going to be a lot less certain for me to be able to do something like that with Ezekiel Elliott. It's going to be a lot less certain for me to be able to do something like that with Saquon Barkley. Um, Maybe Odell Beckham, who, Hey, look, I know he went over a thousand yards this this season. He cost me a championship for multiple reasons this year. Um, Maybe, maybe we look at, at, at Kevin Stefanski as somebody who's going to save that offense. So, in terms of consistency, I think there are actually very few players where I can look at them and say, hey, look, this guy is going to do what he's going to do and he's going to get it done every year. Um, there's going to be very few teams like that because of all the coaching turnover in the NFL. And then on the flip side, I look at somebody like Brandon Cooks, for instance, who nobody's going to tell you he's a bad player, but I asked the question, um, a rhetorical question, are you ever, are you ever really, really upset that you didn't draft that guy, Brandon Cooks, Sammy Watkins? And if the answer is, you know what, I've never really regretted not drafting him on a consistent basis, then that might be somebody that I'm able to avoid. Uh, Then I'm able to say, you know what, I'm just going to look at other players in that range. So it's kind of two edges of uh, of the uh, two ends of the same coin where you look at the guys who have done it consistently, but but a lot of times you want to look at the guys who really have underachieved consistently, and those are the kind of guys you want to look at. 
Yeah, for me, the one thing I struggled with massively this offseason, well, not this one, the one just gone, was consistency and working out what I found consistency to be. Because I think it can also vary depending on how you view fancy players from one perspective to another. So Murph's consistency might be slightly different to mine, which might be slightly different to yours. And I guess on a sort of tangent, so that's what makes fantasy football podcasts so good because you tend to find and listen to the ones that you like their takes from and the way they portray the information because quite a lot of the time especially if you listen to the to the bigger podcast the information is all very very similar isn't it it's just the the way they say it may be slightly different well um i always take advice from john hansen who brought me into the industry and john said he built his platform a because he realized fantasy was going to be big and that's why john is big in the industry right now and oh and always will be he'll always be a pioneer because of that but John always kind of scoffs because he's like, man, back in the day, it was easy. Like, I, like John, John literally, uh, Antonio Gates just retired today. And for somebody like John, I was just texting him and he said, man, it was easy in 2004 to tell people to draft Antonio Gates with their last pick because I had Sunday ticket with DirecTV. Twitter didn't exist. The Red Zone channel didn't exist. There wasn't the oversaturation of content. And because Antonio Gates... In his rookie season in 2003, he was this raw basketball athlete. He had two huge games at the end of the year. And Hanson was like, boom, all right, I'm going to write that name down. I'm going to recommend everybody draft him next year. That can't happen these days. That can't happen because the, uh, the, the, the inundation of content. So the edge is getting so much thinner and, and really smart people can disagree on, on, on players. And it's, it's so that's why it's so fascinating because you're going to listen to two guys who you respect a whole lot. And one of them's going to say, I love Derrick Henry. And the other's going to say, nah, I don't think Henry catches enough passes. And it's, it's really picking the right analysis and forming your own opinions of that. And what you think's going to happen. That edge just doesn't exist anymore. It, it did. It did used to be easy to recommend sleepers back in the day. And, and Hanson used to say, man, he would just laugh to himself. He'd be like, I'm sitting here with Sunday ticket and I'm just finding all these young players who are making great plays in week 16 and 17. And those are my sleepers next year. And I'm going to hit on these guys. It doesn't happen that way anymore because your sleepers in, 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 in 2020, or they're everybody knows who they are. And the big example I go back to is I, I always say at the um, end of the 2010 season, it was the 2010 season. Um, I remember talking to um, Greg Cosell uh, from NFL films who did, who's always done great draft stuff. And he said into 2010, heading into 2010, he said, there's this one guy I want you guys to watch. He played tight end at Miami, but he caught like seven passes in college. But the guy is an utter freak. And he was a guy by the name of Jimmy Graham. And Greg said he's not ready, but down the line, I guarantee you Sean Payton's going to figure out how to use this guy. So we filed that away. And in 2010, I mean, Graham did nothing until the end of the season. And at the end of the season in 2010, he had uh, he scored in three consecutive games to end the season. And we were like, oh, damn it, because he had caught like 15 passes up until that point. And then we knew our spot was going to be blown up for 2011 because we knew we were going to back Jimmy Graham. In 2004, when Hanson recommended somebody like Antonio Gates, that didn't happen. But because of the prevalence of Twitter, even in 2010, 10 years ago, 
because of the prevalence of Twitter, our spot was kind of blown up on Jimmy Graham. Now, we still pushed him hardcore in 2011, ended up being one of the best individual calls I've ever personally been part of because even the uh, us who love Jimmy Graham didn't expect him to go from 99 catches for 1,300 yards. But it was one of the – it was the perfect example of something that even five years prior – that w- we would we would have been all over Jimmy Graham and he would have been a lot cheaper. But because by that time Twitter had come around, the Red Zone Channel had come around, it was it it had blown up our spot on a player that we knew was going to be good. But so now we have to find other ways to create edges, and you have to find other ways to disseminate your information. And now I think what a lot of it comes down to, guys, frankly, is personal preference. Who do you like listening to? Do, who do you like? Do you like the sound of their voice? Do you like the chemistry the two hosts have? Do you like the points they make? Do they make their points clearly? Because ultimately, a lot of us are going to be making the same points. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that more. And I think that's, that's the one thing I've learned over the last two years effectively doing this is, is learning where to get information from and picking your analysts because you can identify with their thought process. You might not always agree, right. but you respect the process. You respect the effort. Behind yeah, that the makes process. sense to me. You know, that's just one of those things where um, I love Matt Kelly, um, uh, Roto Underworld po- po- podcast. Matt yeah. has a style, right? And, and a lot of people love his style. And Matt admits it's not for everyone. And, and it's just, what is your preference? How do you want that information delivered to you? You know, do you, do you want, when you order French fries, do you want ketchup on them or on the side? You know, it's, it's just how, how do you want that presented to you? What is the most appealing presentation? Do you, do you like being, do you like feeling like, oh my God, this guy is so much smarter than me? Or would you rather get your information from somebody who sounds like he could be sitting next to you at the bar? And though, and, and what I'm saying is there are two schools of thought there where you're like, you know what, man, this guy is sounds so smart. I want to listen to, I want to be schooled. Like I want to, I want to feel like I'm in a, I'm in a, a lab in college in university for you guys. And, and I'm, and I'm taking notes I want to feel that. Or do I want to feel like I'm having a conversation with somebody and you might be getting the same information, but you're getting it in completely different ways. And I think that's that's where the industry is now. It's personal preference. Do I do I want do I want to? How do I want to, the information to be presented to me? Maybe I want it presented to me in multiple ways. You know, maybe I I didn't think about I I you know that person put that in a way that I was thinking, but I couldn't really get it off the tip of my tongue. I kind of think that's where we're at right now with the industry. Uh, I I agree, a hundred percent. So last question from us then, and appreciate that you can't really give away your secret sauce, but given the fact that you've been the most accurate ranker on Fantasy Pros over the last five years, what would you say are some of the things that Joe Dolan views as important when taking into account your rankings and your process? So my process is extremely organic. It's extremely um, it's, it's a, it's a groundswell. What, what it is, is I draft, I do best ball drafts and I see how boards are falling. And when I see how those boards are falling, I'm able to visualize, Hey, why is that guy going here? Why is Mark Ingram going in the fourth round when David Montgomery's going in the early third? 
And when I'm asking those questions to myself, that's when I really start to formulate the rankings. It's really not that complicated a process. You know, do we all have, do we all have a projection system and do you have to start somewhere? Of course you do. But then, you know, you, you look at your rankings and you're like, I'm an idiot. Why do I have Joe Mixon there and Josh Jacobs there? Why do I have, why do I have Michael Thomas behind Julio Jones? Why do I do why is Julio flashier? Sure. But wait a minute. I'm looking at the numbers here. It just doesn't stack up. And then when I'm drafting and I'm like, you know what? I would rather start my team with Dalvin Cook and Michael Thomas, just for an example from 2019, than I would starting it with Saquon Barkley and Keenan Allen. You know, where where should I start ranking these guys? So my entire process. And I think one of the reasons that I've had success on the Fantasy Pros system is I'm constantly changing them, and I make sure that my last rankings before the whole system shuts down is an accurate representation of where we are that are at in that particular time. Because when I'm doing best ball drafts, and, I, and I'm, I'm telling people there is no better way to be good in your season-long leagues than to do best ball drafts. And I start doing them after the draft, the NFL draft. Um, that's just my personal preference. I know they're going to open up prior to the NFL draft. My personal preference, I've had the most success doing them when I start doing them after the NFL draft. And I know where these players land. I know what systems they're in. I know what draft capital was paid to get them. Because there could be a prospect you love. For instance, somebody like Daryl Henderson. You could have loved Daryl Henderson last year, but – he was buried behind Todd Gurley after the draft. You could have loved Damian Harris. The guy was buried behind three backs in New England. You have to take all these things into account. So I prefer to do them after the NFL draft. And then you have to acknowledge that a best ball draft that you're doing in May is going to look vastly different than a best ball draft you're doing in August, even if you're drafting from the same position against the same 11 players, because it's just going to be different. Your opinions are going to change their opinions are going to change. And to to lock yourself into an opinion you have in May and June, just because that was your opinion at that time and not adjust based on information is completely foolish. And I get that information and I see the way the markets are shifting simply by doing drafts. And, and when I see a guy moving up the draft board who I don't think deserves it, I might start saying, hey, look, man, Mark Ingram, He's not moving up. Why is he not moving up when somebody like David Montgomery's moving up? And then that's how I really formulate rankings. And I, and I just start saying, hey, I really like drafting this guy more so than that guy. And it, that's how I do it. That's how my process is formed. It is formed by doing drafts. So if you don't have the time to do 100 best ball drafts like I do, okay, that's fine. Just understand that when, when I have my rankings, those rankings are coming from a really intensive uh, 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 place where I have practiced. I mean, these are practiced rankings. These are rankings that I have put into practice and are adjusted based on how I've seen draft boards coming down. So look, projection systems are super important, but you also have to be able to put the rankings into practice. And that's where I think that little human edge, I think is why I've had some success because the, it is an analytical game. Analytics have won the human edge, putting news, uh, knowing how to, knowing how to uh, incorporate news and the latest information into your rankings is so super important. And, and I think that's where the edge has come from. I need to do more best balls. <laughs> it's it's the best way, guys. I mean, m- people, people 
mock drafts and mock drafts are dead. The mock draft is dead. Somebody, you go into a Yahoo mock draft and somebody ends up taking Johnny Manziel in the first round. All right. It's not going to happen with best ball drafts. Even if you have a $1 thrown out there, even if you have $1 thrown out there, it's not going to happen. People are not going to mess up the draft. And if they do, thank you for your donation. Thank you. You know, it's, it's so that's the way I look at it. And that's why best balls, whatever you're, whatever, wherever you play them, it's the best way to mock. And it doesn't mean you have to do fifty hundred dollars best ball drafts. Do a one, if you, if you're only doing this as a hobby, do two $1 drafts every month, you know, just, just to get it out there because, because people, people are putting their money on the line. They're trying something out. It is the single best way to prepare for August. There is no better way to do it. I'm all aboard. Well, we drafted every single day from oh, it was ridiculous three days after the nfl draft till what feels like yesterday i felt it was like three days before the season it was mad we were drafting every day in a lot of slow drafts and you know all sorts of different drafts that we did and you name it and <laughs> yeah we did it yeah we, we did, did it, it. <laughs> joe i've got one final question sorry sure. murph how do you feel about coming back on in the off-season proper to talk some strategy? Oh, I'd love it. And uh, I would, uh, and especially if this is um, in the lead-up to the NFL or post-NFL draft, I'll be able to reveal our plans, um, uh, my plans for 2020, um, which I cannot do right now. But, uh, but I, I'd, I'd be thrilled to come back on with you guys. This was a, this was a good therapy session. I'm, I know I'm quite long-winded, but um, I think we covered a lot of topics. So I'd love to come back on, guys. Hey, man, no, look, listen, we have massively enjoyed it. Why don't you uh, give yourself a shout out to Rush Nation? Let them know where they can find you on Twitter and stuff like that. Hi, everybody. My name is Joe Dolan. Um, you can find me on Twitter at FG. That's fun guy like Kawhi Leonard underscore Dolan. Um, I, I'm constantly tweeting there, probably a little too much. Right now, you can find me at fantasyfreeagents.com and the Fantasy Free Agents podcast. Subscribe to that podcast feed. Even when our plans for 2020 are announced, you will find out on that podcast feed and on that website. Um, Tom Brawley and I are doing a couple podcasts a week right now. Um, we, uh, we're, we're going to be doing off season stuff on the podcast, free agency preview, draft preview, all that stuff. So stay tuned for that. And you can also find me on the fantasy feast podcast with Ross Tucker. Um, I will be continuing to do that in the off season and there are plans to continue that into 2020. You can also find me on Sirius XM fantasy sports radio. Uh, unfortunately the award nominated fantasy football game day show, obviously for reasons will not be back until week one in 2020 but i will be uh planning on being on during the off season as well with matt camp with justin fensterman and with a bunch of the other guys on the channel so i'll be talking fantasy football um anywhere and as if you guys have listened to uh our podcast or our show you do know we'll get off on some fun tangents from time to time too uh, i think uh i think the human element is important in all this stuff so uh, uh i hope you guys enjoyed listening to the podcast uh, g- give me a follow give me a listen i really appreciate it all I couldn't recommend you higher. I think uh, I've talked about your pod on here a few times and definitely hope that people have taken the advice of that. But if not, it is one that is always in my rotation. There are times when I phase out podcasts. Yours is not one that ever makes it out of my rotation. So definitely couldn't recommend it high enough. This has been an absolute dream for me to talk to you. And uh, yeah, just absolutely loved every second and learned so much at the same time. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I can't wait to come back. And by the way, I apologize for being the guy who sounds terrible on this podcast. My Northeast accent 
is absolutely no uh, competition for 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 the boys there. So, uh, um, but but uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. Uh, no problem at all. Yeah, I would like I, w- I would just like to mention that before we start recording, Joe said Murph and I sounded magical. So nobody's should... ever told me I've sounded magical. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> we should also uh, give you some good news, Joe. That we we actually recorded this on Tuesday. It's going to go out on Thursday. That you're a Newcastle United fan. They're currently. Three nil up against Rochdale in their FA Cup uh, replay. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I currently am getting my notifications on my phone here. I mute my notifications on my desktop when I do a podcast. But uh, yeah, Miguel Almiron has started to uh, come alive here for uh, for the Magpies uh, after he came over from Atlanta United last year. So uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very thrilled. It took twelve months, but he finally found. Finally, the yes. <laughs> Perfect, Joe. Thank you so much for hopping on. We appreciate your time, buddy. I can't wait to come back on, guys. Chat real soon, Murph. I'll catch you next week. And as always, Rush Nation, don't forget, keep rushing. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.